This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers. It's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. How's everyone doing? Second live stream for the day. Once again, we are live on Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, Amazon Live, and my Facebook page. However, my love-hate relationship with Facebook continues, so I'm not holding my breath. But that doesn't mean we won't try it. So to get us started, just a very, very quick reminder. It is still Cyber Monday. And since you guys love shopping so much, we're going to make it Cyber Week, Cyber Monday week. This deal is available all week. If you don't get to it right now, get to it later in the week. I know some of you love the replays. Fine by me. I'm not going to argue with you. 99 cents in the U.S., 99 pennies in the U.K., the other thing, real quick shout out to Restream. Restream uh, allows us, I got to go this way so you can see it. Restream allows us to uh, broadcast to all these different channels. Restream.io forward slash join forward slash CTRAB. Really, really appreciate their partnership and certainly um, give them a try. So let's transition here into today's episode. In today's episode, we want to talk about connected content. And here's the thing. What I really, really love about guests like today is I run across them because they are sharing value somewhere on social media. Don't remember where exactly, but I saw um, the author of, what is the name of the book again? Designing Connected Content. Um, And you can, if you're on Amazon Live, you can click the link at the bottom, go directly over. uh, And if you don't see the link wherever you're watching, feel free to let me know. And we can uh, we can send that link to you as well. So today's guest, we'll get her out of the green room here, Carrie Haynes. She wrote that book, Connected Content, said something uh, enlightening. So I wanted to get her on the show and share her insights with all of you. Carrie, how's it going today? Uh, it's all right. It's a it's a great drizzly Monday or rainy Monday, I should say. It's uh, but but we're here back in after our our thanksgiving break here in the u.s well i'm just i'm just uh impressed that you even know what day it is i mean i've been in this house (laughs) for so long now i could tell i couldn't even tell you if it's monday or tuesday or what day mondays are still mondays to me they're still mondays (laughs) to an extent so connected content tell us about it i don't remember maybe i heard you on somebody else's podcast and i thought hey we got to ask her to come on the show but but um, definitely appreciate you making the time and, and sharing your, your wisdoms. What's Connected Content? What prompted you to write the book? So um, the, I, it's something that the title, the title came later after we started writing the book. Um, we, it was originally the idea was future-friendly content. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it revolved around the idea of modeling so being more abstract from the start and then filling in all the pieces. Um, but that model is what helps everything um, connect 
in the first place? How are things connected outside of an interface? Um, and as we we started writing the book, and I, I have a co-author, Mike Atherton, um, we had to come up with a title for for the publisher, and we um, ended up with designing connected content, which uh, I'm really happy with because that's really what we're doing is we're we're designing the connections for content, both within the content, between pieces of content, with the audience that needs the content, and, and as well as the, the systems and the technology behind it. So it works on, on many levels. And, um, you know, we just, we wanted to share this process that, that we had developed um, between ourselves and some of the work we had done together. And um, so, here we are a couple of years, three years later, and um, it, it seems to be resonating with people. People are still talking about it because, I mean, certainly disconnected content is a, is a problem out there. And there is many different levels of how that might look, right? It could look to the extent of that messaging doesn't align. It could look as, you know, you're going down a rabbit hole of uh, useless interactivity or something like that. Uh, how, how do you typically see disconnected content what's what's the biggest definition that you use in your field i think for me it's having I feel mostly web content um not products which are becoming even bigger than than ever these days but um on websites to me disconnected content is content that's a dead end you get to a page you read a blog post you read some product information um and that's it there's no there's no call to action. There's no related content, and if it is if there is related content, it's you know fairly randomly selected by some algorithm or not. Um, so it's not necessarily related. So um, we wanted to bring bring those out and think about okay, what would someone want next? So it, it's connected to the user journey um, and helps people you know go down good rabbit holes, you know, we've all been to sites like that, where like, you start reading an article, like, oh, there's another interesting one, there's another interesting one, because they've really connected it. And pretty soon, it's a half hour later, and you haven't done your work. <laughs> and a half an hour later, and you haven't done your work, because <laughs> they, they, they actually created a good user experience. Uh, what's interesting is, I think some of those dead ends, uh, you, you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I think sometimes it's the AMP version of a website because I go on a website and there's nothing at the bottom because it's so overly optimized for my mobile experience that, you know, like they only think I want to read it, but I can't do anything else. And now they forgot that my iPad screen is, well, I don't want to say the, the size of my computer screen, but, you know, it's, I mean, it's getting bigger. It's not a phone. It's not a smart, it's not a, a smartphone. Yeah. And yeah, then, and even on phones, you might want to go someplace else. <laughs> uh, you right. might actually want to buy something. Um, you know, that's another way things, um, I see a lot of disconnect, especially now as we're in the Christmas shopping season. I started shopping, and I'm doing all my shopping online this year, and it's amazingly hard to give people money these days, um, whether it's because I can't get to the right product or the you know a different product that's not quite what I'm looking at, or which one am I supposed to select? Um, so those are that's you know another way of disconnecting is just not letting 
people continue their journey, and especially when that involves giving you money. It is certainly crazy. Um, so why do you think that happens, though? I mean, I, let me just get on my little soapbox on disconnected content creation. And sometimes I see that as a big problem. You got the writers over here. You got the strategists over here. You got the writers over here. And you got the web people over here. Then you got IT over there. And I think we've shared the opinion more than enough on here that IT should not run the strategy. And I have some good IT friends, just got some great emails from IT people who were helping me with some projects, but they should not be in charge of my content strategy, of my, you know, how do I convert people, my conversion-centered content. But there is a lot of silo work. I mean, I've made the case a long time that writers should be writing in the CMS, and they should add their own calls to action while they're working on it. I don't know why they don't. I don't know why they have to write in a Word document because that's how they grew up or whatever. Well, guess what? I grew up writing on a typewriter. I don't have a typewriter today. Now I write in the CMS. I mean, why do you see these disconnection points happening? Um, I think, you know, you just mentioned it. One is there's so many different silos um, to get from point A to point B to being like, oh, we need to add content to the website, whether it's a product or a marketing campaign or a new service, whatever it is, um, to go from there to actually getting it on the website, you know, how many teams does that have to touch? Who's, you know, who's making the decisions ahead of time in the abstract, um, which is why I'm so focused on modeling to say, okay, what, what should be in there? Um, There should almost always be a call to action, even if it's download this thing for free or read this next uh, blog post. So, you know, IT often runs the CMS, especially if you're at the enterprise level, um, and they they set it up one way. Writers are writing for something different, and then you have marketing and sales kind of at odds, and who there's just so many people involved, and they're not talking to each other, and they're not working towards one set of goals, one strategy. Um, they're operating with different goals, different objectives. If they even have a strategy, they might be different. Um, that's the, another thing that I've noticed a lot, and it really speaks to that siloing and, and not being focused on the conversion is some of these sites, especially retail sites um, I'm talking about specifically, are so focused on marketing that they're losing sale. They must be losing sales because it's so hard mm-hmm. to get to the thing that I'm looking for. And they have pop-ups and banner ads and all of these things. Like just, I just want to, I just want to read this. I just want to get this thing that I came here for. <laughs> well, especially media sites, it's harder and harder for them um, to to think about. You know, how do we make money outside of advertising? So you see the sites that have just ads all over the place, uh, which of course that makes me wonder too. Why do you have so many ads? And then the client asks. Uh, what's the click-through rate? Well, it's super low because you already had 10 ads on one page. Um, when it comes to calls to action, though, Carrie, I want to show you something here. I'm going to pull this up. This is, has not yet been published, guys. It's an article on internal communications. And when you see the article here, I'm going to highlight it. So at the beginning, right, I'm basically quoting other articles I've written. You've heard me talk about my content performance philosophy, so you can click on that. In my content performance culture book, um, Michael Brenner previously shared that mean people suck. 
Um, so are those counting as calls to action or does it has does it have to be so formal within the content or can you have it more let's call it subtly and i know these are content calls to action not necessarily um you know i mean you can buy mike's michael's book when you click on that and you can buy my book when you click on that but uh it, it can be like that right embedded in the content yeah yeah so there's t and this is something i'm working on with a team now that i'm working for a communications firm um and and we're in the user experience world. They're they're starting they're starting to be more research about links and who's clicking what and what gets in the way of a, mm -hmm. of of a user as or a reader as they're going through. So if there's a lot of links in the text, the contextual links, um, <coughs> the the user in or the reader in what they're doing because they might click off and they'll never come back to that. Um, so what we're playing with and some, some new content we're working on is having specific call outs instead of saying, read, you know, read more about creating an asthma action plan. We actually have a call out that says, create your action, your asthma action plan. Um, so it's, it's separate, but it's right after the content. So it, it it's research, it's finding out what works best for your audience um but but yeah you have to do you have to get you have to get the information to people and the hard part about the web is it's not linear um it's not just like the table of contents in a book or an index mm -hmm. where you can go back and forth people leave your site often they're not coming back and i think that's go ahead it's a different problem right some people try to keep everyone on their site and make it all about them and that's not helpful either you have to find the balance I think the whole thing that it's not linear, that's easily forgotten by a lot of people because when we grew up, a lot of things were linear, right? Somebody leaves me a voicemail, that's linear, right? I have to listen to the whole damn thing if I want to uh, beep. We don't we don't have the beep thing here, but, uh, you know, I have to listen to the whole thing. The newspaper I get in the morning, I have to read the whole thing, and then I know I'm done, right? On the web, I'm never done, right? It never ends. There's always more content to look at. So basically what you're saying is, look at what works for your brain, correct? Yeah, yeah. And there's some good principles and best practices out there, but ultimately it's best to make um, deliberate decisions based on your goals, your objectives, your audience, and what, what has been shown to work, um, what's been shown not to work. Um, so it, that's the thing. It's a, it's a series of choices we all make um as digital professionals as content professionals as business people um and there's compromises but um ultimately we have to look at the data and research to know what really is working of course in your book you talk about the content overload um which is an interesting topic to me because i mean i like creating content i like optimizing content i like um, you know, trying to drive um, results through co through good content, right? By staying relevant. Um, when when you talk about content overload, how how can we? First of all, what does that mean, and how do we um, uh, how do we make use of that and, and make it more useful for for ourselves and our audience? Well, we have to stop recreating everything <laughs> that right. everybody else does. Um, I think one of the 
quotes we had in the book was from Jeff Jarvis, who's a, a, a journalist um, about do what you do best and link to the rest. Um, you know, these days you can type in any given keyword and get several pages of seemingly good results on Google. Um, how do I know which one is better? And then they all almost say the same thing. Um, so that's that's one problem is just we're we're recreating things to get SEO to get to get people to to our site or or whatever. Um, but then within any given site or given brand, even um, there's a lot of duplicate content, um, and that's one of the things with modeling. You can eliminate a lot of that because you know what the purpose is for each type of content. And then you create con the instances, the, the actual content within that content type. So you avoid that duplication um, and get, get exactly what you need and not, not more and not less. Um, it's, fine. it's finding, I call it the, the Goldilocks principle of finding just the right amount of content. Well, that quote from Jeff Jarvis has been around for a while, I don't know, maybe 10 years or more. Mm -hmm. Um, and easier said than done, especially people growing up in journalism, because what do we do in journalism, right? We, I'm in Iowa, and there's a winter storm in the winter all the time. And so I got to do a weather story. And then tomorrow, I got to do another weather story. And at the end of the day, how different are the weather stories? Unless there's something that actually happens, right? But if it snows, it snows. It's not that different of a story. Um, and of course, that's very different in digital marketing, right? You don't always have to create um, new content. Sometimes you just have to update content, like mm -hmm. the article I just showed you. Um, I'm actually looking through the archives and I'm seeing, is there any underperforming content that fits into this one article, right? So I can repurpose it. But had you asked me 20 years ago, I would have said, that's the craziest strategy ever. Yeah. I need yeah, to do it, new. <laughs> right. Yeah. We. Yeah. And that's, the thing and then which one is right um now you've got two things that are almost exactly the same um and like i don't know which one is right especially when people don't put dates on things <laughs> right um, which is which is something completely different um but uh yeah it, it, we yeah we have to get used to updating content so it's always that one thing it's you know canonical um, and you know what, what that thing is. You can always point to people. It's evergreen. Um, and you no know, matter when people go to it, it's, it's updated. So how do you get people to buy in? Of course, we had um, Cruz Saunders on the show. We talked about the Simple A Academy and how they, I really loved how they said, we just pick one piece of the whole process. We don't pick the whole process, which is like kind of what I would do, right? I would say, hey, let's just rip up everything and we'll start and he said well basically that doesn't work because you know you still you you're kind of building the you fixing the plane while you're flying so you can't fix everything you have to fix one thing at a time or update one thing at a time but when you go to content creators and, and maybe i think it was scott abel who said some of this is a um, generational thing you know because we grew up one way and this is how it is and then of course now the next generation they're growing up in a very different um, environment. So, you know, they don't even say anything. They don't even ask about, oh, why does this content need to perform? It's still important, even if it doesn't perform. Well, maybe it's important, but doesn't help us. So how do you get people, content people, especially when you come to them and you say, hey, we have this content framework end to end. Why do I need that? 
I know how to create content, Carrie. Why, I mean, I don't need a framework. I, I think the, I mean, it doesn't work all the time, but what, what I say, do you want people to read your content? Um, you know, there's a lot of content out there that doesn't get read. I, sometime earlier this year, I think, or late last year, uh, there was a study that over 90% of the, con what was it, 90% of the links on Google never get clicked or not something like that. It's just an incredible amount of content that never gets read or at least doesn't get linked to from Google. And if it's not linked to from Google, it's probably not being read. Um, so, I mean, that's the thing. Like, do you want, you spent this time creating this content. Don't you want people to read it and use it and do whatever it is they need to do with it? Whether, you know, I'm in the health communications field now. So it's, you know, do you want people to to manage their their disease or condition better? Yes. Okay. Then you need to follow these principles. Um, do you want people to sign up for your newsletter? Okay. Then here's the principles. Um, and it really comes down to that. And I think a lot of, especially writers and content creators, they're just told to create content. Um, and so, so they do, and they're not necessarily sure of the strategy or, or what's going to get the most readers. And I mean, that's what drives me crazy anyways, when people say, let's just, hey, Christoph, go, we need some content. Uh, we need it right now for this client asked for it. And I'm like, okay, what kind of content, right? I mean, we're creating content right now, in fact, right? And we're not mm -hmm. writing. I mean, I did do a little headline on some of the channels and, you know, we pushed it to Amazon and other places, but... But at the end of the day, we're not, we're not, I mean, we're just talking, but we are creating content. So um, this whole notion of people saying that, and then the other notion of just create content to create content, why? What a waste of time. Um, and so certainly it, it motivates me. I'm motivated by reward, not by failure, right? So very different. So keep that in mind as you're talking with your content teams. Um, you know, if you're trying to motivate somebody with uh, fear of failure and they're not motivated by that, that could really backfire. But I love when I find a piece of content that really takes off. And when Seth Godin was on the show, he said to me, Christoph, I blog daily and some of the content is not, is not that great, but I still blog daily. And every once in a while, I hit a really good nugget, right, that really takes off. But at the end of the day, my goal is to blog daily. Uh, I'm not saying you need to blog daily, but I'm just saying that's, you know, you, you're looking for that nugget. So how, uh, I think you mentioned, Carrie, that some people don't react excited about that when you say, do you want your content to perform? Does anybody say, no, I don't? Um, I think a <laughs> lot of people just haven't thought about it before. Yeah. Because they've just been given the assignment. Um they haven't necessarily been part of the strategy or, or they've, they've never thought about it in that way. Um, you know, I've had lots of clients and, and stakeholders that just, they just do stuff because they think that's what they're supposed to do. Um, or they've seen it on another website. Who knows? Is that other website working? Is it, do they have the same goals? Do they have the same audience? All of that. Don't copy what you don't know is working. Um, but yeah, I think more often it, it's not that people say no, it's that they never even thought about it before. 
Um, and most of the time, once they think about it, they're, they're on board, at least they're interested in getting on board if, if not ready to, to jump on board right away. It, it kind of depends on the goals, right? Because when, when, I mean, even when I started journalism, the goal wasn't to get content to perform. I mean, we didn't even know what that meant uh, because you, how many people read my article? 250,000, right? Whatever, whatever the circulation was, that's how many people read it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, certainly it's, it's a mind shift. I personally think it's fantastic when you get things to work, but it's also a marathon. It takes time. It takes, uh, you, you test things. You got to see what's working and what's not working. Um, I know part of the title of your book is designing um, connected content. So certainly we're talking a little bit about how do you design the experience as well? How important is the actual design and content um, collaboration, so to speak? And I go back, um, I remember, I guess this has not happened recently, fingers crossed it's going to stay that way, where people sent me a wireframe and they say it has all the lorem ipsum in there, you know, and and I'm like, but what is it going to say? I, I don't even know what this is supposed to do. Does it look nice? Yes, it does. But I don't know what it's supposed to say. And it's kind of funny. You mentioned the websites. I sometimes have people say to me, what would you change on my website? And I said, I literally can't answer that question until I look at your metrics, until I understand your goals. And then I can tell you. Then I can tell you what I would change. But right now, I don't have, I can give you some lame answers that I could say about any website. But but how does design and content, how should they work together? How, how do you see that evolving? Um, so by design, I'm assuming you mean interface <coughs> design or graphic design. Right. Because um, it's all, all design with a big D of planning things. Um, so content design is actually a, a relatively new term um, and becoming a, a discipline uh, on its own. Um, and it's, it's about, so when we talk about content design, we're talking about planning content for the user. And it's not just words, it's podcasts and videos and whatever else is the right thing that someone needs to fulfill, uh, their need. So, um, but that only gets us so far. We still need to get that to an interface, whether that's voice, website, app, what, whatever, whatever it is. Um, so how, how do we best get it to that interface? Um, and that's where those designers come in, the people who are creating how, how it gets from here to there. Um, this is, this has actually been one of my biggest struggles is I feel like they need to work hand in hand and they don't. Um, one is, one is worried about what it looks like and one is worried about what it says or, or what it does. Um, and I don't know how, how those got so separated, um, but they have, um, and it needs, they need to come together. Designers need to understand what content they're supporting when they create their interfaces or their posters or whatever. Um, and content people need to understand that they need those visual designers to make their content come to life um, and make it usable, make it so people will read it or click on the things that they want them to click on by if that's what the, the end goal is. Um, so there, there needs to be a lot more overlap between all the disciplines. We need to get rid of um, these silos that, that we talked about at the beginning. And that, you know, that's 
one of the, the main benefits of designing connected content. It's not just words on a, a screen. It's the whole, it's the whole process and how does everybody work together um, to, to achieve it. Yeah. Working together. I don't know why it's so difficult, honestly. Um, and, and it makes everything so much better because I mean, I can, I can do a certain level of collaboration on my own here, right. Or come up with things. Um, and when Adam Morgan, the creative, uh, executive creative director of Adobe was on the show, he said, you know, the way people collaborate, they, here's the problem. They leave, they think about it, and then they come together. And the key word is they come together. It's not just me being here in my basement in Iowa for the 249th day in a row or whatever it's been, thanks COVID, um, thinking about it myself, right? We got to work together. We got to figure out how do we get there um, in, in the most efficient way. Do you think sometimes it has to do with they're on different teams? I mean, I've been in companies now or with teams where sometimes content and creative are together and sometimes they're completely separate. Yeah, um, and those teams aren't all working for the <clears throat> same goal. Uh, and that, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of the, a maturity. We, I did a study a couple of years ago um, and we ended up with a, a content strategy maturity model. We, you know, from beginner to advanced and what, what do those organizations look like? Um, and it's, I just see it over and over played out. There's very few at the advanced level. A lot are at their intermediate where they're doing some things, but it's um, the difference between cooperative and collaborative um, is one of the things we identified. So cooperative is like, sure, go ahead, do your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, collaborative is let's do this thing. Um, and that, that takes a certain culture, a certain mindset um, to, to really uh, facilitate and um, make sure it happens in the organization. And it, it's not, you know, you need departments because you, you need people who have expertise in certain areas, um, but they, they need to have lots of cross-functionality working groups or, or teams to produce a certain part of, uh, you know, a certain piece of content or, a, you know, a website, a social channel, a podcast or whatever, a conference, um, whatever it might be. Um, you need all those different disciplines to make it, to make it work. So, and the more those people work together, the more they realize they're never going to be as good as they are together. So they're going to keep wanting to do it. And it, it feeds off of it, I think. And you know, the other thing is too, when, when we're too siloed, I mean, you just mentioned podcasting and I thought of, I mean, I'm, we're doing this live stream. Then there's a podcast later in December of the, uh, the podcast version and now, since I'm thinking about what you're talking about, I'm like, you know what? This is actually, some of this content is also good for this article I'm currently writing about internal communication strategies. So it's, I think I might make it part of that section. And if it was me, the podcaster, somebody else, the writer, somebody else, whatever, somebody else, whatever, they might not even be able to make that connection because they're not the podcaster. They're not, you know, mm-hmm. they're not talking to each other. So I guess at the end of the day, when you have multiple people doing it, you do have to talk to each other. You do have to have meetings every once in a while without killing yourself in uh, meeting Palooza. I mean, do, do you agree or no? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I know we're struggling in our organization about too many meetings because people were an agency. So most people are on multiple projects. And so they mm-hmm. have to, 
work together with other people. Um, so yeah, finding the balance between too many meetings, too much instant messaging, too much working alone is, is, is kind of an endless uh, struggle. And it's not going to be the same for every team or every project or every organization, certainly. And we have to, we have to keep, keep, keep working on it so that, so that we're, but if we, if we keep our eyes on the prize, on the goal and the strategy, that makes it uh, a lot easier if we're all working toward, if we all agree on what we're working towards, um, we can find more ways to work together towards that. Absolutely. Fantastic discussion. Carrie Hain was today's guest. Carrie, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. This has been fun. Awesome. And Carrie's book, Designing Connected Content, Plan and Model Digital Products for Today and Tomorrow. If, you want, if you're watching on Amazon Live, of course, you can just click the link at the bottom. On YouTube, we have the link also in the show notes. And on Twitter, you'll just have to Google it because Twitter does not send any show notes over anywhere. Um, shouldn't be too difficult to find. I found it relatively quickly. Carrie, thanks again for joining us. And thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. Until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Stories win.